Welcome back to Firewall. I am very excited for today's episode. We even previewed it on Tuesday's episode because we were so excited about it. Um, as listeners of this podcast know, I am part of a text group uh, with four of my friends that we started either right during the beginning of the pandemic or maybe a little before. Um, that is just sort of an all day, every day thing that we're all part of. And uh, threw out the idea of like, what if we, well, first it was a, if all four of you are going to come speak at my class in November. And yeah. it's like, what if we make that a podcast? And then it kind of advanced to here. So Jeff Pollock, um, who's both of you been on the show before, but Jeff is, I would say, the best pollster in America. Um, yeah, list your top 10 races you've ever worked on, or five, just just so they understand that like you really know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> well, I've worked, uh, last cycle I worked for six governors, including the governors of New York, Pennsylvania, Illinois, uh, Maine, Connecticut, and Delaware. Yeah, and it's by every cycle, it's sort of the leading senators, governors, presidential candidates, everything like that. Howard was on like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we, that was a very substantive podcast, actually. But I got a lot of, I got a lot of good feedback. Did you? Um, in the in the ed policy world that I travel in, it got uh, got a lot of uh, <laughs> listenership. There we go. All right. Well, thanks for driving audience to the show. Um, Howard, as I think I've mentioned a bunch of times podcast before i would argue is you know among the best of political communications in maybe american history so um he uh these guys know a lot more about politics than i do um and how would you guys say like if you characterize the persona of each person in our text group just to give the audience some context how how would you do it and how would you describe the overall tenor of the text group the tenor is um neurotic sarcastic supportive um, Jewish, very Jewish, uh, but Jewish in like uh, um, uh, in its neuroticism, not in religion. In a mentioning Lebeshi way, totally. Yeah, and personas. How or how would you how would you describe each person's persona? Um, well, first, you know the the group I think more or less started during the pandemic, yeah. and um, and it felt very meaningful. At that point. Yeah, I, I I for one yeah. found it uh, really meaningful. I think we all did, given yeah. the amount of engagement and interaction that we participated in. And I think when you're um, basically locked in your room or your apartment for months on end, uh, it turned out to be a really nice way of staying in touch with people. And to um, Jeff's point, people were very empathetic. You know, some one day somebody would sort of start with uh, some concern about the world that was clearly on their mind, and, and people were pretty good about helping them through that. Um, and so during a period where I think a lot of people were uh, struggling with loneliness and, and some depression, it was, I think, a really lovely lifeline uh, for all of us. I think it is uh, it serves less of that function now. <laughs> but, but, and yet, but it didn't slow. Were you guys surprised that post-pandemic it just kept going as is? It really, I mean, last night at 11 o'clock I was texting yeah. you guys, you know. Not really. I mean, I think what's the each one of us plays a role, and we we have a very clear role in the text right, chain. To so break it down, Howard um, is the world is falling apart, um, especially New York City. Uh, Bradley is I'm going to throw out ten different possible solutions, half of which are totally insane, but he firmly believes in them and has to convince us that they are right. Uh, Micah is studying all of the things that could um, possibly go right or wrong in each one of Bradley's insane <laughs> things. Josh is meditating peacefully through it and trying to keep the peace, 
uh, while also being woke. And I'm trying to make jokes constantly um, and reminding folks because a lot of the chain is about books that have been read and I don't read anything like you all do. Um, so there's lots of what's the book to read, what's this, this. Um, uh, and that, so reminding you, I can't, I don't read. There's a version for everyone though, right? There so is. like, totally. you guys all love theater. Totally. I don't ever go to theater. Yeah. Uh, we love sports. I don't think Micah has any interest in sports. So I, I think probably <laughs> everyone has the True. thing that they, they're they not into. But, I agree. Um, so, all right. So, so the goal for this is to kind of keep it as close to the tenor of our actual <laughs> podcast chain as possible, maybe a little less Yiddish. Um, and, you know, obviously we really do talk about absolutely everything, yeah. but politics is still got to be 40, 50% of our conversation, yeah. also in part because we just actually all know a lot of these same people. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm going to start off with 2024. Um, first question and we'll do this kind of rapid fire. Is there a world where Trump is not the Republican nominee? No. No. What would it take for the answer to be yes? Other it, than dropping dead. Him dying. I mean, that's, that's the it. answer. And being in, maybe being in prison. Maybe actually being maybe. in prison. Yeah. Though there's is, no real world. Right. An appeal, if nothing else, an appeal will go beyond the Correct. 24 election. No, and in fact, the, the insanity is, is that all these people who are running as the anti-Trumper um, or trying to, um, the more of them that run, the less likely it is that he loses. Uh, and so it's, it's just – it's actually making it easier, and DeSantis is falling so precipitously – um, it is it is truly unbelievable that the Republicans have had this cycle after cycle with some person that everybody thought was going to be dominant, and then they just fall in their face. So DeSantis yesterday, there was a Times-Siena poll that had to get Trump at 54, DeSantis 17, everyone else was at 2 or 3. Yep. If you're DeSantis, despite what you guys just said about Trump having to drop dead, yeah. Do you, do you now just sort of basically play to just hopefully be the replacement if something does happen to Trump and not even try to actually compete with him and change your message a little bit? Or do you just keep going after the guy? I, I mean, the, the amazing thing is almost none of them are going after him. So the people who are in second, third, fourth um, are not the ones who are going after him. Chris Christie is, is, is going to be an asterisk, for example, and he's the one most going after him. So the only one that's interesting to me on the other side um, is Tim Scott, um, who's like interesting, um, uh, African-American, interesting, um, that, that makes him uh, uh, interesting in terms of being a Republican, but also uh, a sort of uplifting, positive message. Um, and I think if I were playing, that's what I would do. I think I would try to be an alternative that way. But there is no real lane for like, I hate Donald Trump. Yeah. I, mean, I think the... the to me, the most interesting question now is whether or not Donald Trump would pick Tim Scott as his VP and whether or not Tim Scott would want to be Donald yeah. Trump's VP. Um, at some point, Scott will have to make a decision whether or not he wants to take Trump on even a little bit, and he and his team will have to decide whether or not he's really running for the number two slot or whether he actually is trying to be the nominee of the party. Um, You know, an African-American in the number two uh, position of Donald Trump would be a really interesting electoral calculus. Do you think it actually moves any votes? Yeah, I I think that it would... um, It may not be likely because Donald Trump may only want somebody who has no independent base of support because Trump knows what happened in the electoral aftermath last time where Pence, who 
demonstrated some degree of independence and integrity, decided that he couldn't go along with his illegal schemes. Trump will not want somebody who displays any degree of independence for that reason. Um, but if uh, Trump decides that, that Scott is um, sufficiently uh, malleable and Scott decides to play that role, yeah, I think that um, his uh, uh, being on the ticket would send a somewhat reassuring message to, um, to some swing voters. And I also think that it could influence the votes of African-Americans, especially African-American males around the margin. And right now, you know, Trump is actually getting a little bit more of the African-American male vote than, than a Republican typically does. Um, and Scott would help that. Yeah, the, 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 the one who's, run, I, I agree with everything Howard said, the one who is clearly running to be the vice president for Donald Trump is Vivek uh, Ramswamy. I think that's, I may be getting his name, the last yeah, name wrong. Ramswamy. Yeah. Do, do, does he, um, does he bring anything to the ticket? No. Like, what would you just say to him? Let's say you want him on board. Okay, Vivek, we'll make you the secretary of whatever. I assume that would do the same trick. It, I, yeah, but I mean, I think in terms of the fealty part that Trump is looking for um, in terms of his number two, this is a guy who is running on policy stuff that is as, as insane as Trump is. Um, which makes him qualitatively different from yeah. Tim so Scott, which is why he I won't be chosen. I know Vivek from the business yeah. world, from the tech world. Yeah. Despite everything he's saying and doing, um, I think Vivek's really fucking smart. Yeah. And will do what's best for Vivek. So if I were Trump and malleability and fealty were my only categories, I would think he's in some way sort of too ambitious and intelligent to, to have. Possible. Side. He's just the one who's running from a policy perspective yeah. closest to Trump, um, uh, whereas... For Tim Scott, I think he would be. I cannot imagine that Trump picks a Tim Scott because he looks at him as another potential Mike Pence. Right. So nice Scott, nice yeah. guy. You know, too too easygoing and too much a part of the establishment. Whereas Vivek is not. No, he's definitely not. Um, and he is wealthy, which Trump respects. Yes. Right. So looks like there's more indictments coming down, both potentially in, in Georgia and then more from Jack Smith, but this time around January sixth. It's clear that it only seems to help Trump among the base. But for forecasting ahead to the general election, independent voters, swing voters, whatever it is, do all of these things have a cumulative impact, or is it just at this point you have your view and it doesn't matter? I mean, Jeff has probably seen data, um, and on the text change, we often um, defer to him yeah. on these kinds of questions because yeah. he has the numbers. My intuitive sense is that it does um, have an impact around the margins, and we're talking about an election that will be decided around the margins, and I, and I think, um, you know, being indicted for uh, leading an insurrection, if that's what he gets indicted for, will have an impact on voters. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, in what I've been saying about this election is there is no way for Donald Trump to beat Joe Biden. Um, I know that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I want to just unpack it for a second, um, which is, on the surface, there aren't a host of voters sitting out there saying like, oh, I voted for Biden last time. Now I'm really liking Trump with all the crap that has happened. Right. right? It doesn't exist. That suburban voter in Philadelphia, um, you know, Montgomery County, who like um, is deciding whether or not to vote Republican Democrat. Um, I don't see it happening. So the way that Trump wins um, is really three ways. Number one, um, what has happened in the last couple of elections, which is higher Republican turnout, particularly Republicans 
um, of low propensity, meaning these are people who don't usually vote. And that has happened in the presidential and the last midterm. Um, even though the Democrats um, did better than expected, the reality is that turnout was there. Second of all, black turnout and, and young turnout being down, all evidence um, uh, points to that being a potential problem uh, for the Democrats this time. And the third thing is, of course, a third-party candidacy. Um, and what does that do? Whether it's a no-labels candidate uh, or even a Cornell West, because I, I saw a poll recently, there was a poll um, from Harvard um, uh, that was done that has Cornell West getting like 5% of 18 to 29-year-olds. You know, again, in a race that's around the margins, those things matter. So Biden can't lose a sort of normal election, but those three things tip the scales, potentially, and allow Donald Trump to be able to win. Is it likely that no labels actually goes all the way? I mean, you both know the people who run it and yeah. involved. Do they ultimately pull the trigger? Uh, I, you know, I don't know, honestly. Um, I keep thinking that they won't. Uh, for the good of America, but I'm not sure that the good of America is really what's driving their actions. I believe that they need the right candidate to agree to do it in order to, to actually pull it off, um, but I believe they are gung-ho um, uh, with this absolutely preposterous and stupid um, uh, thing which could easily tip the scales. The data that they have that they present to people as sort of um, data showing um, that, that the voters, um, that this is a, a, a good idea is insane. Um, they ask a poll question that is completely stupid, which is, would you vote for a moderate uh, independent candidate? And the answer to that for all of us is yes. Like, sure, of course I would. Uh, but it requires a human. It requires a name. It requires, like, actual people. So at the end of the day, Larry Hogan, for example, who one might describe as all of those, there isn't a fucking chance in hell that I would vote for Larry Hogan for anything, like not not one bit. Um, so it's it, it falls apart when it gets specific, uh, but what they're putting out there is a sham. Yeah. So it, inflation's down. The economy definitely statistically seems to be improving, and maybe it's more of a Jeff question because you have the data. To, to just based on you know you had the CBS poll two days ago, Biden's at forty. At a Times poll today, Biden's at thirty nine. Does that mean that voters? aren't seeing it and feeling it, and if so, historically, how much of a lag is there between the metrics getting better and voters noticing? So the voters aren't feeling it. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure why. It's frustrating. Um, part of it is, as I believe, and we discussed this on the, on the text chain, you know, Biden's age is certainly the thing that is dominant when you talk to voters and, and hear from them. Um, that being said, I actually think if you look at a lot of the data, and I looked at it actually just recently, over the last couple of years, the numbers actually have improved dramatically. Like, how are you feeling about the economy? Biden's job approval has not improved, but how are you feeling about the economy? How are you sort of feeling? There actually has been dramatic movement. It's not positive enough yet, but it does seem to be moving in the right direction. I also want to remind all of us that we would have, all of us at this table would have predicted that the Democrats would have gotten their asses kicked in 2022 yep. because the economy was in bad shape and it was midterm and to, to party of the president gets punished and it didn't happen. So partially some of the things that we have all known as sort of um, uh, sort of guarantees in, in politics are a little bit upended right now. Um, and I'm not sure we can depend on all those metrics. Joe Biden with a 40% job approval rating, I believe could, could be reelected. So Howard, Dobbs, if, if, if we at least identify that as one of the reasons why the Democrats actually did pretty well in the midterms, um, is it equally powerful a few years later in the general election? 
Seems to be, um, if you look at uh, some of the off-year elections, uh, continues to drive um, better than predicted or better than historical Democratic performance. Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, some of the bills that Republicans have voted on in these states, these really extreme, quote-unquote, heartbeat bills, you know, six-week bans uh, or, or even more draconian than that, um, will continue to drive uh, Democratic performance uh, in higher numbers than, than might be otherwise predicted. And how much does Trump's presence on the top of the ticket hurt the down-ballot candidates? If you're Chuck Schumer or Hakeem Jeffries or a Democratic governor, are you praying for Trump because you know that it ultimately helps your election? I don't think anyone's praying for Trump uh, because of the negative ramifications uh, of him possibly winning. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's too dangerous, and I, I believe he did so much damage to our democracy um, uh, that that we certainly aren't even close to recovering from. Um, I do think that the the thing that these that some of the Democrats are hoping for is a continual nomination of MAGA. Republicans, ultra white right wing Republicans that are so unacceptable to suburban voters, independent voters in particular, uh, that they can't win. Um, and a lot of people have criticized the Democrats for even trying to um, get those kind of candidates in. I, I think that's absolutely the right move. Um, uh, and the Republicans need to figure out their own crap in terms of having Republican primaries that don't nominate insane people. All right, let's, let's take this international. So obviously Israel is a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. We talk about it quite a bit. Um, assuming that Netanyahu's judicial reforms are not struck down and they, they become the new standard for how laws are, are reviewed or not reviewed, um, what does that mean long term? D does Israel start to wither away because it sort of requires having a functional democracy for everything else to work? Or at the end of the day, you know, is this people sort of just getting crazy about sort of things at the margins? I think it will have a real impact on um, Israel's public standing in the United States. Um, you know, I think uh, Netanyahu made a bet, uh, you know, over a decade ago that the evangelical um, vote in this country was more supportive of Israel than um, even some American Jews, and that as long as he had the support of Republicans and evangelicals that Israel would be um, essentially well taken care of uh, um, in the United States by the United States government. You know, I think that was a very um, short-sighted and cynical um, uh, view on his part. And I think that if uh, Israel moves even further and further to the right and seems to be um, authoritarian and without any kind of democratic checks and balances, it will continue to lose support among Democrats and among American Jews. Um, I think it is it will be harder and harder uh, for our children to make the case for Israel when they go to college or yeah. when they're you know talking with their friends in on their text chains. I mean, it's you know the the fact that Israel has um, has always been a fully functioning democracy with a, um, a strong independent judiciary has been one of the things that allows many of us to make a strong case for it. Um, and if those things uh, are no longer true, it's harder to make the case. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the problem is, like, 
the the on our text chain we are all relatively moderate uh, centrist Democrats, um, and uh, and the problems with Israel have always been on the ultra left, um, the far left of the Democratic Party in terms of BDS and things that are that are stupid. Um, uh, Howard's absolutely right in that these are the kind of things that are going to degrade Israel's position with people like us um, and make it harder for us. And secondarily, this betting on the evangelical right and the Republicans is a real risk. You know, we've got a Republican Party that is not Ronald Reagan's Republican Party. Reagan would absolutely be turning in his grave at the kind of things that the Republican Party of today is doing. Look at how many of these folks who are running for president and otherwise are approaching Ukraine, where it shouldn't even be an issue that we are supporting Ukraine and trying to push back. And some of these guys are, are making arguments about, about legitimate arguments that, 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 that could be dominant uh, if they win next year um, to not support Ukraine. Why does Israel think that they're any different in terms of the massive amount of money that we ship over there uh, every year? And so I think it's a real—I think Netanyahu, um, who is doing this out of his own political needs and, and spite uh, and, and following a Trump playbook, I, I think he is betting, uh, making a very, very bad and, uh, and mistaken bet. So, so Josh, I say, was another member of our text chain. I yeah. dinner with him last night. He asked a good question about this, which was, you have to pick one of the two. Israel's a democratic state. Or a Jewish state, you got to pick one of the two. What do you pick? Uh, I don't. I'm not going <laughs> to. I, I don't that's accept false, the premise. That's a false choice. Um, tell, tell Josh if he wants to prosecute. He has to come, come on the, on the, the show. Come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I I did pick and I picked Jewish state ultimately for the very sort of selfish reason that I am not confident that Jews will be safe in this country in perpetuity, just like we haven't been in any other society throughout history. And I want somewhere to go, for my kids to go. So on one hand, I was like, oh, well, Jewish state, even though it's distasteful. But then it was kind of like, well, in that scenario, is it all Jews have the right to return? Or like, I'm not from, I'm not Orthodox. Like, or is it, you know, only people who are Lubavitcher or Hasidic? Right. And so, you know, it's funny because like I had the instinct of like, well, safety and survival is the number one thing at the end of the day. But then you wonder if the whole thing just falls apart completely. You know, I... I think actually democracy um, ensures some degree of stability and yeah. survival, right? Yeah. Um, I think we see that in this country. If the United States' own democracy continues to degrade, um, if Trump becomes president again, uh, we will be, we, I think, we Jews and uh, will be less safe in this country. Um, and um, that will be true in Israel too. I mean, I, it's just hard to envision uh, any long-term stability and security that doesn't involve uh, a strong democratic framework. And a Jewish state where uh, the ultra-right, ultra-Orthodox are in charge is not a Jewish state that I could be a part of in any way, shape, or form. And so in some ways, that's not safe to me. Um, uh, I would rather a democracy. You'd rather take your chance in Australia. I would. I mean, I would rather a democracy, a democracy than an ultra-Jewish state. I mean, I, I, I feel that way very, very strongly. Certainly my children would want no part of, of anything like that. So if Israel is the sixth borough, let's turn to the fifth borough of Staten Island. <laughs> okay. Because uh, the two are very similar. Sure. Um, very. Nicole Malitakis, who's a member of Congress who represents Staten Island, has called for the resurface the age-old Staten Island should secede. Um, this time, citing congestion pricing as the reason for it. Um, 
Just what's your gut? Like, let them go or not? <laughs> First of all, um, for those of us who are moderate Democrats in the city, letting them go would be a disaster. Yeah. Right? Because they actually provide some degree of counterweight yeah. to the extreme left. So I'm not for letting them leave. Mm. The, the, the thing that was really sort of curious about it is that um, leaving New York City would not um, mean that they wouldn't have to pay the congestion. <laughs> yeah, that bill. I didn't get. Right. I, I, I didn't like, understand the, the connection New, between the two. New Jersey is suing New York right <laughs> now because... New never leaves Staten Island if it goes its own city. Correct. So it's, sure. it's, it's silly. Yeah, that's it's, it, that it's, didn't make sense. That's just nonsense. But and it, you know what else yeah. they would lose is the, is the uh, subsidy to take the Staten Island Ferry, which costs well, nothing and, and uh, all, if they were and not And all of the other subsidies. Correct. Um, I mean, it seems to me that one simple way to put the Staten Island, if the state had a referendum, is like, look, do what you want, but understand, with the exception of cops, New York City employees have to live in the city of New York. If you leave the city of New York, all of the bus drivers and teachers, all the people who live on Staten Island, it's a huge percentage yes. there, will either have to lose their jobs or move to one of the other four boroughs. I, I always think that just kills it. I don't think the state is going to allow them to have a <laughs> referendum to secede. So I no. I wouldn't worry about it. No. And, and if let's say they did, though, would you worry about a trend, though, where, like, why would Manhattan say, well, what the fuck do we need the problems with the boroughs for? And well, why you, wouldn't certain zip codes say, well, why do we need you, the other zip codes? You see this problem in Atlanta where Buckhead, Buck, where yeah. Buckhead so is. So where does that stand? I saw it a while ago and I haven't seen they, it they, The state did not um, give them the permission to proceed with the process of of um, leaving, uh, but it's obviously a threat to Atlanta, um, and there are clearly people in Buckhead who are not going to give up, and this is something that is important to them, and they're going to continue to try to thrive it. But it it the the while it's sort of a joke, the the discussion of what are we doing in terms of having policies that um, make people that frustrated they want to succeed secede um, should cause us as a city and as a state to have a conversation about making sure that, that everybody's views are, are understood. Like Staten Island has always been the forgotten borough. Um, but, you know, these are homeowners. They are very, very different than so many of us who live in the other four boroughs, living in apartments, et cetera. And, and, um, uh, and so we need to make sure that we are paying attention to their needs. Um, and I actually give credit to this administration, which has brought in a bunch of so Staten Island. So Howard and I are both rolling our eyes, and they have brought a lot of Staten Island. Yeah. Where I would argue, and I, I think you're going to agree with this, that Staten Island does a really great job of leveraging its sort totally. of political strength and gets much more than they should. I don't uh, disagree. Both intention and resources <laughs> and everything else. You know, I don't know if they do or they don't. I just don't have a lot of time for the argument. <laughs> All right. So uh, <laughs> some other New York City stuff. So we talked about this one on the on the texting endlessly, which is the illegal weed shops of which are yeah. sitting uh, on this block. There's four that I can tell you in a, in a, in a you know, 150 foot radius or whatever it is. Um, we have all sort of said, I think, that if we were mayor or if Mike Bloomberg were still mayor or Rudy Giuliani were mayor, you would just padlock every fucking one of yeah. these and say, if you cut the padlock and reopen, everyone in the store, including the customers, are all going to jail. Why isn't that happening? I don't know. It is enormously, enormously frustrating. I, um, I left my house yesterday uh, at 6 a.m. and went for a walk. At 6 a.m., there was a weed store open a block away from my place. Like, really, this is the kind of city that like, we want to live in. Like, you can wake up at 6 a.m. and go to the illegal weed shop. We know that they are not carting kids. We know that you can walk in there at any age and buy an illegal substance. Um, we have no idea what's in it. Uh, I do not understand why 
the state and the city have not acted. It is enormously frustrating. It's enormously frustrating in and of itself. And I think it sends a terrible, terrible message that um, anything goes, laws don't have to be followed. And when you send that message, people get it and they stop following other laws. Um, and so, yes, if Mike Bloomberg were mayor, uh, I would be advising him to padlock them and arrest folks. H Howard was Mike's deputy mayor. Uh, if, and I don't know why it's not happening now. I really don't. So the, the only answer that I've gotten, and I've, I've asked any number of folks, um, is that the law as it was written before um, didn't allow for that to happen. Um, and now that has been sort of redone, rewritten, and they can do more things. So there actually have been large-scale busts. Um, there was uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was um, uh, one guy who owns like 12 shops, uh, and they shut it down. They shut his shops down. They got him to pay a fine of $400,000. Um, uh, and so it feels like maybe somebody is beginning to think about it, but it's not, but, like, it's not but nearly here's what I, So I'm going to give you multiple choice here, which yeah. is, so reason A, it's not happening, is pure incompetence, right? Yeah. Reason B would be um, that some lawyer is saying, oh, well, they could sue us for these things, and everyone just defers to the shitty government lawyer. Uh, who, if they were a really talented lawyer, would be the attorney's office and not uh, working for the law department. Um, or C, there's a lot of people who own 12 or 1,200 yeah. illegal weed shops, and they have secret political influence with you know, various entities, and they're exerting that influence, and that's what's keeping them in business. What would you guess? Um, in my experience in government, it would certainly be a fair amount of B. Uh, you would have... Uh, the city's lawyers essentially looking at the law code and saying we don't have the legal authority to do this and therefore if we do we'll be sued we'll have to have a big payout yeah. uh, we'll get you know people will get held in contempt etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, I don't by the way totally agree with your view of city <laughs> nor, nor do employees. I employees <laughs> I am the one attorney right, right, right. Right. you are I, I, I think that that institutionally, if you work for a municipality, you tend to be more conservative cautious. Uh, and cautious. So yeah. I think that that is some of it. Um, I would prefer not to think it's it's uh, the third, which is corruption. Um, if it is, it will come out. Yeah. Right? There, there, this is this is a um, municipality that that has you know very aggressive newspapers, um, pretty aggressive local and federal prosecutors. That, that's not going to stay hidden, in my view, if that's the case. Uh, and as to incompetence, you know, Jeff, who works for the governor, can, can speak <laughs> to that. Uh, I think the governor's amazing and doing a, doing a great job um, uh, and doing her best to, to try to clean things up, along with the mayor. Um, uh, I generally think that it is B. I do not think that it is. I certainly don't think it's rampant corruption. Um, I do think that there's an organized crime element to it. Um, it seems to me that a lot of these shops are owned by the same kind of people, which suggests uh, um, sort of organized uh, organized crime effort, um, and that's always always hard. Uh, that's where you know Rudy did a good job um, uh, using Rico and other things to to try to uh, to manage some of those things. But you know, so, I so, with so, you. So, we so need look, to shut them down. None of us supported, and to me, this is more of a city issue than a state. I, I understand it is a state a city law, issue, but like. So none of us supported Adams for mayor, but all of us have been trying to be supportive and helpful because we want him to succeed, especially yeah. after eight years of de Blasio. But 
I get that you get some, whether we can say they're mediocre or good, but some city lawyer telling you all the reasons why you can't do something. Isn't leadership sometimes just saying, I don't fucking care. Yeah. We're going to do the right thing here. And what does it mean? Or what does it say when you don't have that capability at City Hall? I mean, look, as I said, if it were me, I would be advising him to shut these And Mike would have done it. And Mike would have done it. Um, look, sometimes I, I, I wonder, you know, I, it, it, this is a, a source of enormous outrage for me as a citizen and as a parent. Um, and I wonder sometimes why there isn't greater outrage. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I wonder whether or not um, a kid has to die, right? Wh yeah. Whether some 16-year-old kid goes in buy something, there's something in it that is... My daughter was at a party, and a kid started convulsing, and there's fentanyl on something the kid took, right. and she was okay, but emergency right. room, all so, that stuff. So yeah. if, the, if, if, God forbid, there's a kid in the city who goes into one of these places and gets something and they die, like maybe that will galvanize some degree of, uh, of greater outrage. But, but, I, but I, I, I would try to forestall that if I were the mayor. Yeah. But I also think that it is an issue for us because we are... Um, upper middle class uh, parents uh, of children who are in this age. And that the reality is that the city is also facing an enormous migrant crisis, which is the number one thing that, that uh, the city is dealing with from a problem perspective, and, and crime in general. Uh, and so I also think we may be a little bit myopic on this, uh, where, it's, where it's close to us, um, but that when the mayor's uh, office is sitting there thinking about the top three things that they should be dealing with, I'm not sure that this is it even though I agree with everything. Okay, so let, let's go to another one that I would say I would imagine should be on the list, which is the migrant crisis. Yeah. Right? So, and we've, we've disagreed about this, and this is when Jeff talks about me having insane <laughs> ideas, but I have been arguing publicly, both in the podcast and in the, my daily news column, um, that we should create a New York City work permit, that we have tremendous numbers of job openings in construction, in hospitality, home health care, um, jobs don't necessarily even require English speakers, and we should just say, as far as we're concerned, you can work here, help connect them to those industries, and say, we're no longer housing you, we're no longer feeding you, because none of these people came to the U.S. with the hopes that they'd be able to live in tent cities at Aquatic Racetrack. Right. They just want to find work and live their lives and hopefully become Americans so they could become taxpayers as opposed to the city now $4 billion in the hole in counting. Um, you guys haven't necessarily agreed with me on the text chain about that. Why? Well, I, I think we don't <laughs> think that it is possible, right? So the... So the city can can do that, and they will be immediately sued by 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 probably some conservatives who say it's not legal, legal. for the city to give people who are here um, in this capacity uh, the okay. ability to work. So that so and it, the and, it, and, so and, on, and on the face of it, it's it, it's an open and shut case. It's not it's not complicated. It, a judge would say the city can't do it. Okay, the judge says it, and Eric Adams says, well, I don't care. I mean, come on, Bradley. You, what are you what, do? Are we, that's the world we're going to live in? Where the, <laughs> I think the, we certainly did in Washington, Trump. No. I, no. I, I just, I don't understand, and maybe this is, I don't understand why you wouldn't, if you have a completely dysfunctional in that federal government, um, and by the way, overall, actually, I happen to think Biden's a, a good president, but overall, if you have that, and their problems not of your own creation are being forced upon you, you don't think it's reasonable to say, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and come up with a solution? You can, but then let's play it out. And I, it, it, The law is not ambiguous. You will get sued. It's an open and shut case. Your your view is, oh, well, then you should just defy the judge? It. No, I don't. that's not the country that I live in. Sorry. Yeah, and I don't think we should stoop to the to the Trump lowest common denominator just because 
just because he would do it. I, I don't think you're, the idea of having these folks work um, uh, who are here is a, is a reasonable one. Uh, and, I, and the Adams administration has is, is clearly been, been griping and bitching and trying to change some of the federal stuff uh, to make it easier uh, to get these folks um, uh, work permits so that they can do it. I think that's, the, that's unfortunately the way to go. We are in this unique situation that most people in, the, in this country don't understand where we give every human being a right to shelter in this city. Um, that in itself is probably the issue. Um, not that I'm all for it, but that it. You that are for thing, it. You, if, I, if you had the chance to repeal right to shelter, you would choose not to. I don't think I would. I don't I think would. I would repeal it. But that's. But I, I'm not. I'd, I'd I'm not repeal sure. it in a heartbeat. Thank yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, that that maybe I'm it's showing my lefty side. Um, uh, I'm not sure it's good policy, um, uh, but it certainly feels humane. I, I think it's probably a good idea for the city to provide shelter. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying the city shouldn't, but I think the fact that the city has to, as a matter of judicial decree, is not a good idea I, because I think that's probably right. you know that that means there is a significant portion of the city's budget that no longer is in the city's control, and right. that to me just feels like bad bad policy. Yeah. So uh, we're sitting in a podcast studio, and I, I talked about this on Tuesday's episode, where a woman in a car on the block, sadly, right in front of the studio, was shot on Saturday. Um, they think it was mistaken identity, but nonetheless, right here, there's still police tape outside. Um, I made the case that we should bring back some version of stop and frisk, that I understand that the policies that we've used in the Bloomberg administration were considered unconstitutional, fine. But when you have a world where no one fears any ramifications for carrying a gun, guns are going to be used a lot more. And there's got to be some reasonable middle ground between no stop and frisk, what used to be, and trying to find and take guns off of people and disincentivize them. Because one good thing about stop and frisk was people stopped carrying guns because they knew that they were going to get nabbed for it and it wasn't worth it. So they probably had them when they needed them, but otherwise didn't use them. Um, how would you feel about a modified return to stop and frisk? I mean, I'm f I'm for broken windows policing. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, I'm I'm for policing that says if you are doing something that is against the the law, we are going to take some appropriate action. Right. So if you go into the subway and you don't pay your fare, the police can stop you and they can pat you down to see whether you have a weapon. They can see whether you have any outstanding warrants. But the predicate for that interaction is the fact that you've broken you've broken the law by. Right. So how 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 many gun toters would we think we could catch if if we did use that as a standard? I mean, there were a fair number um, uh, of d during the Bloomberg era. There were uh, and probably the beginning of the De Blasio era. There were a fair number of people who, when they they hopped the turnstile, got caught and got frisked, had weapons. Right. It was not totally uncommon. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, you know, I, I, whether it's that or or other or other illegal behavior, I think that the police should engage in um, an interaction with the with the person who is committing the, the crime. Um, I don't think it is a good idea to, based on suspicion or intuition, to have police. Um, basically frisking people because they are acting or looking a certain way. I think yeah. I think if, the I think the predicate for the inter shootings are significantly. I high. think the predicate for the interaction has to be some law breaking. Would be Jeff? would be my view. Yeah, look, I mean, also major crimes are down. 
Um, so obviously it sucks uh, when we hear about a shooting in there and the ones that are prominent we know about. I work for the mayor of Baltimore. Um, talk about a you know, truly terrible sort of situation to try to deal with. But major crimes in this city are actually down. Um, and I don't think stop and frisk, I 100% agree with, with Howard. Also remember, stop and frisk, it wasn't really stopping people and getting guns. It was stopping people and then they had weed and then they got busted. And so, you know, that was, that was like... Well, so what if you flip it around and the standard is... Not the see, I worry, maybe Howard's right, and I would take that over nothing. But let's say that it wasn't the predicate. But the only reason that they could get in trouble after being stopped and frisked is if they had a, a, a gun on them or something. Like that. So you had weed or whatever else, and weed's a different anyway, but whatever yeah. else, we're not looking for that. We're only looking for guns. I think the problem is that the interaction with the, with the police officer, if you're stopped for no reason other than you look a certain way or yeah. you're acting a certain way, that just does not exactly um, encourage uh, a, a good relationship between communities and, and police yeah, officers. Yeah, agreed. I just think it's got. I, I don't think the status quo is acceptable. No, no, worries no but you know, the, we we could go back to broken windows, right? The the to we none of us are huge fans of Bill De Blasio, but the first Bill De Blasio term when Bill Bratton was mayor, they were employing um, broken, broken windows, windows. and. Yeah. Crime continued to go down Correct. from the Bloomberg and it, it stopped years. simply because the DSA gained too much power? No, it stopped, actually. The pandemic is the thing that stopped the crime stats from going down more than anything. I think the combination of the crime stats and the, and the reaction to the, the murder of George Floyd uh, yeah. and, the, and the, you know, the, the sense that, that policing... Uh, had it, gone too far the other way. Correct. Yeah. So um, I've got a ton more topics, but I know that we've been talking for a while, and Hugo... Um, has created some political uh, trivia questions for us. I I just want to be clear at the outset. (laughs) Howard is one of the best people ever for communications. Jeff is the best pollster in America. So I'm like Edgardo Alfonso going up against Sandy Koufax and Nolan Ryan. So if I get one question right, I'm considering this a moral victory. Bradley, if you don't get one question right. Howard, if you you get less, more than one wrong, I think you should be ashamed of yourself. All right, Hugo, what what are the rules? Yeah, the rules. So there's three categories. We're going to have three questions each, one from each category. The the categories are New York politics, national politics, and founding fathers. Founding fathers, yeah. okay. So I, I, should 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 everybody get their three questions in a row, or should we have one yeah, question? I think it's fun to go around. Okay, okay. okay. But, so, and you want us to write down our answers? So here's the thing. They'll be directed at one person. So I'm okay. going to ask Bradley. He's going to have, you're going to have a chance to, to get it right. While I'm while he's answering, yeah. you guys write down the answer on your, if he gets the answer right, he gets two points. If he gets it wrong, he gets zero points. And you guys get half a point each okay. if you get it right. Well, it doesn't happen. I got it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to give us a sense. moment to... Um, yes. You get so, a, yeah, I'm gonna, there's going to be one slight pause okay. while you can write that. Right. Okay. okay, you ready? First question. This yeah. is under the, for, for Bradley, New York politics. Okay. What is Mayor Adams' middle name? Aloysius. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. No okay. idea. Leroy is his middle name. Huh. Okay. Jeff, this question is for you. Okay. In the first round of voting for the Democratic primary in 2021 for mayor, yeah. who got the second most votes after Adams? Maya Wiley. Correct. You didn't points. give us a chance to. Yes. Well, I didn't need to. It's you my got, turn yeah, to yeah, answer. Turn. Turn. If no, I, I get it right, you don't get it But I wouldn't have gotten half a point for that? No, no, you don't, no you don't, only if he gets it wrong. Only if I get it wrong. Yes. Come on. Okay, <laughs> Howard, as a former deputy mayor, you're going to have to get this one correct. You ready? After teachers and cops, what is the next largest city agency in terms of headcount? Sanitation. 
The next largest agency, corrections. Fire department. Mm. Really? 17,000 workers. Mm. Huh. Um, so we have two points for we Jeff. We think they need 17,000 I would have said, by the way, I would have said sanitation. Yes, I would have gone sanitation uh, and then... But I believe then it's very close. I think both sanitation jumped is like 16,000. Yeah. Okay. No one said fire. Yeah. Hugo, you haven't answered a fucking question. You, yeah. sh you should be okay, on Okay, Bradley, you ready? National <laughs> politics. <laughs> All right. Name the current Secretary of Education. Miguel Cardona. That is correct. That's right. Jeff, you ready? Yes. How did Joe Biden vote on the Supreme Court nominations of Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas? Well, he killed the, the Bork nomination. How did he vote on both of them? No. On both of them? Uh, Just clear. On no, on both of them. Correct. Two points. He was really mm -hmm. trying to trick you. Into, he tricked me into knowing that. <laughs> like, no. I was about to write no. that down. You ready, Howard? Right. National politics. What real word was Trump attempting to use when he treated, tweeted Kofefe? You want you my answer? Write, you guys can both, uh, you're supposed to write it down, but you guys can both say what you think He, he has, he, we have no idea. because No, it's, it's known. It's, come it's, on. It's widely known what he, because if you see it in, in sequence, you can tell what he meant to say. I don't know. I have no idea. Coverage was the word he just misspelled. Really? Kofif yes. was he. Was he <laughs> I say Kofefe, but <laughs> <laughs> We'll go with that. Yeah. Okay. Founding fathers, you ready? Yeah. Um, at the oh wait, at the moment, Jeff has four points, Bradley has one point seven, and Howard has zero. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you better clean up on founding fathers, right? Yeah. Ready? You have to take a week off on social media. Okay, Seriously. Bradley. Yes. What did George Washington do during the Battle of Brooklyn? Um, he was absent for it. I'm going to give you one point for that, but I'm going <laughs> to clarification. <laughs> well, he fled. Two points. Or you get half a point, actually. Yeah, one, one yeah. and a half. Yeah. He I, wasn't I, there. I guess the better term would be I didn't he, know he retreated. <laughs> he, 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 he did retreat. I'm just, that is an acceptable the, answer. Here's the difference. Actually, I'm going to argue that I should get the full two because all I was doing was being patriotic. Did he? Did okay. he? I, we, I, by I, the way, I you reject want, your appeal. <laughs> you, want, you want the backstory here? Yeah. So he... No. <laughs> I do. I do. It's my podcast. Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> so he went into Manhattan, and then he the British pursued him in Manhattan. He went... North in Manhattan, uh -huh. and he cro crossed the George Washington Bridge. He crossed the George Washington Bridge. He crossed. He got stuck in traffic for forty-five minutes. He crossed minutes in New Jersey. Closed the lane. Crossed to New Jersey, where the basically where the current George Washington Bridge is, and he was able to escape with his number of troops because there was a tremendous fog that night, and he escaped huh. under cover of fog. Had he not done that, it would have been another one of these moments where the revolution would have been over. I'm going to give Bradley or Howard an extra half point for that. Totally. Yeah, although, well, Howard, your, your master's degree is in what again? American history. Yeah. Okay. That's but not, revolu <laughs> not revolutionary That's not where Governor's history. Island came into play? That's a different one? Not the Battle of Brooklyn? I don't know. Uh, we need to wrap this up. Okay. Um, uh, Jeff, this one's for you. Um, when John Adams made a name for himself writing for Boston newspapers, what pen name did he use? Oh, God. I, uh, poor Richard. Bah. I know who no, that is. No, no, that no. one I know, trust me. Anyone else have it? No. Howard? Humphrey Plow Jogger. <laughs> I'm sorry. I guess it's plow jogger. Plough jogger. We're, we're going we're gonna to interpret it. This is on Wikipedia, jogger. so it must be true. There you go. Okay, you guys ready? Now you just need to yell this one out, but I think it's going to okay. be... This one really... Howard has the huge advantage on this, but I don't okay. think he's going to get it right either. Okay. Other than having an expressway named after him, cite an achievement of Major Deegan. 
Hold on. I know this a little bit. So he was – well, here's what I know, which is going to maybe qualify for half a point. That it was actually a very – point eight points to was, pull ahead of it Jeff. It was a so. very – you have to be the judge. It's good okay. enough. It was a small, regular street in the Bronx. Then Moses or somebody wanted to build a big expressway. Okay. There was a lot of community outroar and protest. And they lost, but somehow their fig leaf win was – the name, they're like, well, it already has a name, the Major Deegan, and then that was the concession, and so the Major Deegan went from, like, one block in the Bronx That to wasn't a, your question. Your question is, what did Major Deegan do? Yeah, that's not really a great... <laughs> oh, he sold Amway property. <laughs> <laughs> he, he founded the American Legion. Um, did you just look that up? Yes, yes. of course. <laughs> 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 All right, you're now disqualified. Right, you're out. Or, yeah. Did I get any points for my story? Um, Point one. No, nothing. no. Nothing. <laughs> no, nothing. I don't think you do. I mean, it was, right. it was nice. I mean, so he, he founded the American Legion. He was in the United States Army Corps of Engineers. The reason I think that the, the road was uh, named after him, or one of the reasons is that he, he wanted to allow uh, blacks to, enjoy, to enroll in the American Legion, which was oh. a huge controversy and was rejected by the National Committee. Um, and, but he sort of fought the good fight on that. Um, it's a wonder Moses didn't try to. He was a staff <laughs> officer in World War One. You could have said that he was. Um, yeah. He was president that, well, that of, the, like of the Bronx the, Chamber of Commerce. Because the army, yeah, of the Bronx Chamber of Commerce. Oh, that's fake. That's fake. I mean, thanks, say, Hugo. We say his name all the time. No one has any idea. Who we he do. Is. Even no. Howard has no idea. No idea. But now he does. All so right. Uh, so guys, you what do you think? Should, should we do this again? Howard may be a little petulant at the moment. I'm not. I'm not coming back unless we get a different, a different trivia game. Wait, I'll, do it's a I pleasure need to, to tilt be here. it to your advantage? You can make it easier for Howard. <laughs> he mean, did very well. That fire department question was kind of right there on a tee for he you. He did very well. Yeah. yeah. You're, All right. you're still a good guy. Well, I uh, hope you guys like this. Rate and review. Buy books at P&T Knitwear. Order my novel coming out. Whatever else. Uh, thanks for watching. Thank you.